the deal, y'all. Welcome to the first official episode of The Next Conversation, where we talk about what's happening next in the education system and what it means for our educators, staff, and most importantly, our students. I'm your host, Antonio. Some of y'all may know me as Queso Tone. You might have seen me performing on stage, or you might have seen me in the classroom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but today, I have a very, very special guest. Not really a guest, more so a, a member of our team. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, my, my partner in crime, big boss man. What up? Mr. Rod Wallace. What up? Hey, everybody. How you doing? <laughs> What's good? What's good? Good. Man? How good. you feeling today, man? I feel great. It's a beautiful day outside, kicking it with the kids. Ah, so it's a great day. It's a great day. It's a great day. Sound like a blessed day to me, man. Absolutely. <laughs> man, I appreciate you coming on here, man. Uh, so basically what the next conversation is about, uh, we're going to be talking about just how we can make our education system better. Not only, again, not like I said, not only for our staff, but for most importantly our students. Because as you can see, times are changing very fast, <laughs> and it's time for us to adapt, especially for us working in the education system. So, I mean, what are your thoughts? Just how after COVID, you know, what, what do you think that COVID, How do you think COVID has impacted schools? Um. Well, I think that. Um, Schools has, I think schools have had to consider yeah. what they were still able to accomplish um, as a result of the pandemic. Unfortunately, yeah. I feel as though education as an institution missed a valuable opportunity to really um, learn, Facts. streamline, uh, really work towards providing um, equitable access to materials, resources, Facts. and I, it's funny. It's it's like you know, as I think, if it was any other industry, I think if you know, every industry around has encountered great change as a result of COVID, right? And industries have to pivot. They have to change. They have to flex based on conditions that may be outside of their control. Right. But I don't see education necessarily as a pivoting industry from COVID. So saying all that to say, um, perspectives about student learning may not have completely changed. I know that okay. there's been a lot of dialogue. Okay. Um, I think it was the pandemic plus um, another big factor in that, you know, during that time period was the death of George Floyd. And there was um, a great deal of discussion about how do we make this a more um, beneficial space for black children in particular. Right. And now that things are kind of quote unquote back to normal, I just don't see things being wholly different. Yeah. And so um, I do think that there is an under a different understanding of the barriers outside of school that impact student engagement. I, but on the whole, I don't, I, I don't think as a society, it really changed the way that schools are working. And that's troubling to me. I mean, I definitely feel like edu the education system as a whole in this country definitely did miss out on just the adaptive part. Um, like you said, in terms of providing just a fair, equitable education because everybody was online, mm -hmm. everybody was on Zoom, and I feel like everybody at that opportunity had the chance to, you know what I'm saying, make sure all the students were getting all the information and knowledge that they need. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, even online... It's very unequal. I think I think that it's it was very 
I mean, there are some students that benefit from yeah. online school, and I do yeah. think that some districts kind of reframe their perspectives about that, yeah. that there is a segment of students that that works for, but right. I think that it works for them in lieu of quality instruction, quality right. engagement at the school. So right. for me and my kids, you know, I, I look through COVID through the perspective of what I saw happening from a school perspective right. and through what I do, you know, with my job. But I also look at it through the perspective of my own children. Right. My daughter was, she managed it. You know, mm -hmm. she continued moving forward, but my daughter is um, extremely self-motivated. My right. daughter is relatively independent. My son um, is a smart kid, but he likes the engagement, the right. engagement, the person to person, the social side of things. And he still does, you know, pretty well, but virtual school was hard for him, right. you know? So having that as an option, I think is a learning piece. Um, I think that you, you're going to experience um, something similar as we continue to grow and we continue to learn about artificial intelligence too. Oh yeah. That I AI. think that has the capacity to, Again, we have this opportunity to kind of evolve yeah. education into something that really is directly connected to what's really happening in society. Right. Um, but we're already behind in that. There's still people who are like, oh, artificial, it's bad, it's this. And it could be what it is, but it's going to be here. Yeah, and it's so, going to be the future as well. Absolutely. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, at, like how I was just saying, like times are changing very fast. And mm -hmm. you can definitely see this AI is about to start taking over. Like I was just watching this movie, like it was just showing like, you know, the future, what they predicted will be the future. You know, like it's literally AIs cooking and cleaning the house. Like, you know what I'm saying? And we're not that far from there. No. So how are we going to adapt? How, how are we going to pull what's happening now with mm -hmm. the AI and everything into the classroom? Like, how do you think that's going to affect the education system from now on? I think I think what you really have to understand is, you know, what we're seeing with AI is real baseline level stuff. Like, yeah. you know, you can type in. I, I use this example all the time. I, I actually showed my class this. Mm -hmm. You know, you could type in write a a rap song in the style of Kendrick Lamar about Taco Tuesday. And it will do it. And in your mind, you can hear Kendrick Lamar rapping it based on the words that's being used and everything like that and the cadence and everything. What? But when you take AI technology and you embed it into other technologies, yeah. you embed it into vehicles, you embed it into defense mechanisms, you, right. you, involve, you, you involve it in the healthcare system, you involve... Right. Then <clears throat> what you're finding is... You know, we we called, you know, the 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 night the the 2000s kind of the information age, and that age is kind of dying away because now you don't have to have all the information. You're working in 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 partnership with technology to get things done. Facts. And so I think as it impacts the classroom, I think that you know we've been throwing around Bloom's taxonomy for uh -huh. years, like. You know, these are, are things that are lower level thinking activities and stuff like that. Now, I can't give my class something that says if I want them to learn it, if I want them, let me say this, if I want them to learn it in a way that they are going to be able to utilize the ethics involved in it. If I'm right. teaching a history class, for example, if I'm teaching what are the causes of the American Revolution, you know, them getting the benefit of the research, the editing, the revising, that part of it is kind of going away. Mm -hmm. It's more so take one of the causes of the American Revolution mm -hmm. and identify something in your own history that 
reminds you of that reason for making this big change right. or something like that. I'm just throwing it out there. Okay. So it's more so how do we synthesize information? Mm. Like how do we take something that is going on or take something that is from content and how do you apply it to your own situation? Right. Because that's when you truly learn things. Right. Because at this point, you you know, I mean, it's it's just amazing to me how we still have teachers that are um, that still had these real archaic ways of planning and executing lessons because it just doesn't exist. And our kids know too. Yeah, and they don't relate to it. No. And that brings me to my next question. Like, how important is it for students to be able to relate to their teacher? Like, you know, because me growing up, I always looked at my teacher to be someone, you know, dressed with a suit and tie, you know, mm -hmm. shirt and tie, or, you know, ladies, they got their dress on, everything real professional. You don't really think about them having a life outside of school. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You just think they just teach and grade all day. Absolutely. <laughs> but now we're in an era where, you know, everyone is showing their creativity. Everyone is pursuing right. entertainment. Everyone's on TikTok, right. you know? Right. So, you know, I study black male educators. Facts. And I think what's missed, I think there are people who think that black male educators are when they are successful in the classroom, they are successful solely because they are black men, but it's not that. Right. Um, many of them that I have interviewed, talked to the focus groups with, they have a charge towards relatability or a, char a charge towards authenticity mm -hmm. that is missed, I think, mm -hmm. in terms of how teachers are prepared to teach. Mm -hmm. So... Teachers are not prepared to be leaders. Teachers are prepared to be teachers, right. not understanding that teaching is leadership, leadership, right? So, and it's leadership of young people, but they're not going to lead just in, in this world. You are not going to lead in a classroom just because you have information that other people don't. Right. Because the value of that information comes down to the degree to which they base value in you as an authority right. and the value in how you feel about them. Right. If that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. So we don't do enough of that at the teacher ed level. We kind of just take people who they are and kind of try to put them through this machine and say, now you're a teacher. You right. passed your MTTC. You took all your classes, this, that, and a third. So being relatable is not necessarily about, you know, it is helpful for, you know, all kids to see, different types of people in the classroom leading and caring and um, growing mm -hmm. and developing as people, mm -hmm. you know, um, but you don't have to be a black man right. necessarily to be a, a, a teacher that a student can relate to if you, the, the way to do it is to become as fluent possible in to become as fluent as possible in what is most important to them. I agree. I agree. You know. And I would also even add, like, you know, about just creating a genuine relationship with your students, especially, like, if you're going to have the same students, you know, for a whole semester or, you know, elementary mm -hmm. student, elementary teachers, they have students for the whole year, mm -hmm. you know. So I just feel like why would you think a student would want to listen to you or look at you you know, as a person of authority or a person they should respect, you know, if they don't relate to you. If you're just very robotic, you just come and do your job, you teach, and then you, you don't even invest any time to even getting to know your students, mm -hmm. you know, or even, you know, expressing things that you like to do. You know what I'm saying? I like to do music. You know, I want to incorporate music into yes. my class and, you know, 
allow my students that also enjoy that to also have the opportunity to express themselves. Right. But if they don't feel comfortable enough to do that, you know, then it's just like, why would they listen to me? Why would they, you know, look to me as, oh, this is someone that I should respect or, you know, have some type of, mm-hmm. you feel me, some type of. Absolutely. And, and it's not just the music that you create. Let's right. say that they don't even relate to your music, but do they see you not giving up at it? Right. Do they see you being consistent at doing it? Do right. they see you being proud of yourself in creating right. it and not, you know, those are the things that mean a lot to kids above and beyond the cultural elements and the ontological elements of music and hip hop and culture and all of those things, not just those things, but what other competencies are you utilizing in your music? Because it's not just the thing, it's kind of everything else around it. You know, like if, um, you know, there are some students that create great relationships with um, adults who are coaches for, for athletic coaches. Um, and it's not just because that just that that adult has a, a an interest in something that they're interested in. They're actually seeing somebody live through that interest, which we all do. We kind of live through the things that we're interested in. Right. So being relatable um, comes down to the fact that showing that you're a human. All right. You know, more than so important. Yes. I, I've had teachers over my career who I've always taught in. I've always taught in black. In, I'll just say it in black schools, schools that have been 95 percent black or higher. Right. Um, till I came to the college level. And what I found is we have extremely highly successful teachers from across the spectrum when it comes to ethnicity, across the spectrum when it comes to age. Um, based on that level of confidence in who they are as people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, all teachers go through it early on. If you don't, if you're really highly strongly related to students when you come in, mm-hmm. you might struggle with some method. You might struggle with some planning and execution of lessons right. and vice versa. So I saw teachers who stuck to their guns about who they were and, displayed the understanding of child development and understood the the value of flexibility, the value of trying new things, the value of empowering kids. And they were extremely successful. Should teachers be allowed to have a life outside of their school? Should teachers be allowed to, you know what I'm saying, make music, make rap music and things? Because, you know, you hear about teachers all the time getting terminated you know, from posting something on social media that, you know, schools don't like. You know, teaching is one of the last morally grounded occupations that exist, that exists in American society. I would say teachers. I would say clergy. Yeah. I would say social workers. Yeah. I would say to a degree police officers, to a degree politicians. Mm. But unfortunately, we've become so akin to or or we've become so used to identifying corruption yeah. within police or politicians or these other positions and even teachers yeah. um, that it just becomes difficult. Here's what I'll say. I, that's part of been the struggle of why I did not choose to go down certain pathways when it came to music mm. because I didn't want to be a hypocrite. There are things when when we talk about hip hop as a product, yeah. there are elements of the game that 
never quite aligned with my perspective. And there were things that I knew that I couldn't talk about or I couldn't say. And then be a person who is amongst kids all the time. Right. Just because of the public perception of it. So, but in the same token, those rules have kind of changed too. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So I think that, yeah, you you know, I, I do believe that if you are a teacher or somebody who works with young people, they are looking at you like, yes. you know, this is a person that is reflecting some semblance of moral, like a moral foundation to a degree. Right. And so you got to, especially being, keeping it keeping it a buck, yeah. especially being, being a black man, being a black man because yeah. you are only 1.3% of all teachers. Right. You know, and you, yeah, you represent something. And so I do a lot of work with teachers. And, yeah, our private conversations amongst us as men is conversations amongst men or whatnot. We laugh and we joke this, that, and the third. But when we're making music, we kind of make music with that kind of in mind. Like, um, we do have an obligation to use this platform to do the right things and say the right things. Right. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a crapshoot. You know, I'm I mean, there's somebody who works at the university. There used to be a great deal of, well, I I think there's still much more latitude when it comes to doing and saying whatever you feel like you want to say, especially if it's grounded in you know what you you know your public persona, your purpose. You know, I know professors that make hip hop music that's scandalous. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, not necessarily scandalous, but I mean, it depends on what you consider scandalous. Because the, the if your worry is the language, yeah. language is a part of the culture. Right. Language is a part of the aesthetic as well. Yeah. So that's one thing. It's another thing for me to be, you know, I didn't want to be the dude that was arguing with somebody in the club at three o'clock in the morning. Right. I never wanted to be that person. And the part of it was because I was also in front of kids. Right. You're you going to be at work at seven. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I did that too. My kids know. My, you know, I fo- I got kids that I follow and we follow each other on Facebook and stuff. They know. And they now they are involved in music and stuff like that. And, wow. you know, they 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 know that that was, I, I would do that and go to the studio and be there until 2.30 and then be up the next morning teaching. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like um, yeah. So I, I do think that there is, when you choose to work with children, I do think that you have to, Keep in mind that you are putting yourself in a position that a lot of people are not comfortable with. Right. You know what I'm saying? You you, you don't have to be a, a priest mm-hmm. or whatnot. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, there are still kids that don't necessarily see teachers as being people sometimes. Right. You know, they'll see you at the store and be like, he go to the store? Right. <laughs> you know, so food? <laughs> it's something that is valuable to kind of keep that in mind. Right. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree, man. Like. And I like how you brought up culture, man. Also makes me wonder, like, how important is it, you know, to bring, how important is it to bring your culture into your classroom, you know, and including, you know, your music and everything like that. Like, how important is it to bring your culture that you grow up with, that you live by, into your classroom? Or can um, you? Or can you even? I think that you have to find, I think it's extremely important. Yeah. I think... I think bringing culture itself is valuable in terms of and creating a culture. Yeah. In terms of creating traditions and creating values and creating norms and creating customs in your class. Facts. That's extremely important because the one thing about it is culture, when we talk about culture is going to be created. Yeah. 
one way or the other, yeah. you know. Um, and maybe the culture is uh, Mr. Bird don't have no control over his class, mm. or Mr. Bird don't know what he's doing, or Mr. Bird don't, you know, Mr. Bird, Mr. Bird, the culture maybe just keeping it a buck. Right, Mr. Yeah, Bird treat these kids a certain way, but don't treat everybody that way. Right. Um, so to really be a facilitator, you got to constantly be concerned with culture. Now, in terms of the, we we can't help but bring who we are to the classroom right. as teachers. The problem is we think that what we bring to the classroom is the end-all, be-all. Right. And it can't be that way because— Bro, I'm you know, I'm 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 not the hip teacher no more like I used to. I used to be Mr. Wallace. Like I used to be super hip, or I thought I was. <laughs> and now they look at they don't look at me as being the hip teacher. You know, they look at me as being something different. I think that you have to kind of seek a cultural fluency of them. Yeah. In order to be able to kind of mold that and build that into your into your practices in terms of the things that you know are going to work, you have to be able to do that. One of the things that um, comes up frequently in the program that I that I work with is we really try to think about what what do our kids really want Mm -hmm. and finding that finding that line between or finding walking that thin line between. What do our kids want versus what do we seek to accomplish? Right. But then the next question is, well, why are we seeking to accomplish it? Right. Is it just a matter of compliance? Is it, you know, and then on the other side, it's kind of like, do we just want the kids to like us? Is that why? But so so managing culture is the teacher's role. Managing culture, being being hyper cognizant, being super aware of those dynamics so you can move things forward because those are the things that kids remember. Right. You know, um, we can, you know, dance around with, uh, you know, we could dance around with, uh, you know, these different targets, these standardized test targets and this, that, and the third. We just always have to have a very, a very clear rationale for why we're doing things. I'll just say it that way. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. And one thing I will say is what I've been noticing, not only with the kids that I've worked with and the young people that I've been working with, but me even, you know, not being that disconnected from graduating high school. I graduated in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I know growing up, I would rather a teacher have substance, incorporate that substance and that culture into the classroom and the work we're doing than just having a teacher that's you know, robotic and has no substance. You Absolutely. Know, a teacher that's just feeding Absolutely. us information. And I don't want to work with nobody like that. Yeah, don't nobody. Do. I don't want to be around nobody like that. Yeah. I don't want to do business with nobody like that. Exactly. exactly. You know, because we, I, I'll say this too, I think how we grew up, you know, we had to feel you. Right. And that's okay. We still like, do. You know, still do. Right. We're very emotionally connected to the stuff that we do. Right. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I think it's to a fault, you know, even sometimes. We're very emotional people who when we feel you we feel feel you you. and so you know you can't come into a a classroom where especially in high school really well really middle school too you figure a sixth grader has been in school for six years right and they know who that person is standing in front of the class after that first day they kind of know who you are right and so they know there's a dynamic that's involved. And if they don't feel you, they're going to let you know. And they're going to let their mama know, I don't like Mr. Bird. <laughs> I 
I don't like Mr. Burr. I don't like how he talked to people, or I don't like this, or I don't like that. And then that parent might not never say nothing to you, but they 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 know they they don't think their child lying, right? And so you gotta make you got you gotta give as many opportunities as possible for people to make connections with you. That's extremely extremely yeah. important, and Very the connections important. that's authentic too. Yeah, because authentic. it works the other way too, man. You you. You know, if 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 people feel you when they work with you, they can they can take criticism from you. Right. And that's one thing that we don't do enough of is teach young people about criticism. Yeah. And taking criticism and taking pushback. Especially with social media now, everybody's just quick to judge. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's algorithm gives them exactly what they're looking for. Exactly. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you saying that. And yeah, I'm definitely taking notes from you, man. Because no, like no. I said, I look up to you, man. You're taking notes from you. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's how education is supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be, I mean, supposed in, to be learning. In theory, ways. I mean, yeah, I think the other way of doing it, you know, we don't hold all the cars no more, bro. Like. Yeah. Things have kind of accelerated past our control where very fast too. We don't, we don't, as educators, we don't have the expertise to say this is going to be your pathway towards this, that, and third. Like Thanks. we can use research and statistics and stuff like that, but being in the game as long as I have, you know what I'm saying? I know that it's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. You know, you have students that can graduate with all A's and then have a life-changing experience that next year. And now their pathway is completely different. Kids that was, you know, that really had a hard time in high school grow to become very, very successful people. Mm-hmm. So more so you just try to you you do your best to acquaint people with options right. and love them through it. Right. And if you can't love them through it, you know, you really need to be out the field. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be able to. Yeah. You got to be able to. Right. And look. I appreciate you so much, man. Look, I appreciate y'all for listening to the first episode of the next conversation. If you have any suggested topics, suggest if you have any suggested topics <laughs> or questions, please be sure to email us at the next conversation podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, more episodes will be coming soon. And I appreciate you, Mr. Rod Wallace. No doubt. And yeah, this is your host, Antonio, aka K Tone. We'll catch y'all on the next episode. Let's do it. <laughs>